We want to welcome you to the New Song Podcast, coming to you from beautiful Colorado Springs. We love receiving your prayer requests and comments at newsongcs.com. Lord, I thank you for who you are, God. Lord, I just thank you, Lord, that you are constantly moving in our lives, God. Lord, even when we may not feel like you're there, we may not feel like your presence is there, God. Lord, I thank you, Lord, that you are. And Lord, I just lift this morning up to you, God. Lord, I just pray that um, you just open up our hearts and our minds for what you have in store for us this morning, God. Lord, we thank you and we praise you in your name. Amen. So how many of you guys have been enjoying the, the series, the closer series that Pastor Stephen had just, has just wrapped up? Really good. And I just uh, encourage you, we have, you can listen to those online on our website, and the church also has a uh, podcast. And I just encourage you guys that if you miss any of those, he's been doing it for this month, um, the last four weeks. If you guys have missed any of those messages, I, I highly encourage you guys to, to just go back and just listen to those because they were really good. I know for me, they were really good to hear too. Just that, even if it was just that reminder, we all need reminders sometimes, right? Um, but this week, the Lord has really been testing me a lot. If, uh, uh, once you get to know me, you will quickly learn that I'm a huge March Madness fan. Um, this is my favorite time of the year. Actually, I'm just going to talk about March Madness all morning, if that's okay. Um, <laughs> MSU, right? <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but I just, everything about it, I love. The, um, just the atmosphere of it, the, the competition, the, the heart, the just the attitude and the mindset, just, just everything about this gets, I just love it. Uh, I think a lot of it is just the fact that 64 teams go in and only one comes out on top. Like you said, like kind of dwindling down. Um, I just, I enjoy seeing that kind of stuff. Just to kind of give you an idea, I'm in eight, I have eight different brackets going right now, spread out through three different groups. Um, one time in college in Virginia, I was in the middle of class. Um, like literally, I was sitting in the middle of class. And instead of listening to the professor give his lecture, I had my computer up and I had four different games playing during class. And just a word of advice, if you, if you ever find yourself in that situation, make sure you are sitting in the back row. <laughs> Because everyone behind you can see the four games you're watching as well. And more likely than not, you will get called into the president's office of the school and have a conversation about what is and what isn't appropriate to be doing during the professor's lecture. But I don't, I don't say all of that to like fill time or, or brag about me or anything that, like that. I, I say all of that to make a point. And that's at the beginning of this week, I started to get really just frustrated while I was praying about where the Lord wanted to take us this morning. Because it just seemed like everything that I would get going on just didn't feel right. You know, it's like, I, it's like oh, that's, that's good, Lord. And then just the further I got into it, it's like, you know what, that's not, that might be for some time, but it's not for, for now. And it's just like frustrating, like what is going on? And at the height of my frustration, I uh, 
um, probably passive-aggressively may have prayed, Lord, I really need you to give me something because, frankly, you're, you're running out of time. And uh, immediately after praying that, I grabbed my phone and I turned on a basketball game. And I started watching that. And it's as I was watching this game that the Lord hit me upside the head with this one. And he said, how are you going to hear my voice if you're too busy watching the game? Ouch, right? Because here I am, I'm getting so frustrated that I just, nothing's coming to me. I'm not getting anything. And I'm watching this basketball game instead. I'm not giving God the time of day. In other words, I was, I was too distracted to listen to him. And I think that's such a good place to land after the series that we just finished. Because we just finished a series all about getting closer to Jesus and st- being close, either getting to that place of closeness with him. And, and in a way, this uh, is almost a continuation of last week. Because uh, last week, Pastor... Stephen talked about being constantly refilled by the Holy Spirit. And I'm almost, this morning, I almost want to stay in the same vein and that same mind, mindset if we can. And because it's all about getting close to Jesus, but what happens after you get close to Jesus? Because I promise you, being close to God is the last place that the enemy wants you to be at. And he will do anything and everything in his power to remove you from that situation. You know, and I'm convinced that he is always working against us. But I'm convinced that there are two moments in particular that he kind of goes into overdrive with. And the first time is when you accept Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. And I think the second time is after you get baptized. Because when you first, um, and I had an old pastor that when he would baptize people, the very first thing he would do after baptizing them is he would gather everyone that was there around that person and they would lift that person up in prayer because he knew Satan was not gonna like that kind of declaration of faith because that's what baptism is. It's making a public declaration of, you know what, Lord, I'm gonna follow you. I'm gonna serve you. And I want everyone else around me to know that I'm making that commitment with you. And the enemy does not like that. The closer we get to God, the more distractions the enemy is going to throw our way. That's what accepting him as your savior is and baptized. There are steps. You're getting closer and closer to Jesus. And you know, we're, we're never going to get close enough to Jesus. Amen. There's never, you're never going to get to a place. It's like, oh, this is it. This is as close as I can get. There's always further you can go. There's always, you can always get closer and closer to God. And the closer you get to God, the more distractions the enemy is going to start throwing at you because that's the last place that he wants you to be. But we can stay close to God by minimizing the distractions in our life. So this morning, I just want to talk about distractions of life. And I just want to give you, there's a ton we could probably spend a year talking about all the different kind of distractions that we have in our lives. But this morning, I just want to look at three. And the first distraction and and probably the biggest one is simply the craziness of life. Can we all relate to that? Yeah. Yeah. 
we have so much going on around us. And Christian kind of talked about this last week, about just how, how chaotic and hectic life can get. That's so true because we have, we have our families and we have our jobs and we have other responsibilities. We have all these different things going on around us. You know, I know for me, there's a ton, there's, there are many days where it's like, I just don't have enough hours in the day to get everything done. It's like I'm getting pulled in five, six different directions and I just, it's just not possible. It's not gonna happen. And you know, even, and we get, because we get so caught up in this world, don't we? And you could even take away, you could take away our relationships and you can take away like our hobbies and our jobs and everything like that. And if we just put that to the side, we still have a huge distraction in just technology, yeah. right? And I'm not, now I'm not saying technology is bad. Trust me, I'm not. Technology is one of my favorite things. But how many times has Instagram kept us from having a moment with Jesus? You know, how many times has, has the latest TV show kept us from having a moment with Jesus? You know, how many times has The Bachelor kept us? I mean, and if you like The Bachelor, you probably need to have two or three moments with Jesus, right? <laughs> but there's this technology, all the screens in our life. It's just constantly, we're getting pounded with it, right? You know, and sometimes we're so consumed with our technology that we only acknowledge God as we're laying down. At the end of the night, we're just laying down as we're getting into bed and, you know, we throw up a quick 20-second prayer. Um, And let's be real, some of us, including me, are probably asleep 10 seconds into that 20-second prayer, right? You know, I've been there more than once. And if you have your Bibles with you today, uh, we're going to look at quite a few uh, verses, but we're going to start and land um, in Luke chapter 10. And it's going to be Luke chapter 10, verses 38 through 42. And this is the story of of Mary and Martha. So I'm just going to read it real quick. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell tell her to help me out. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better and it will not be taken from her. And we read this and we are Martha way too often in this story. But can you really blame her? Like honestly, can you blame Martha for what she did? Because in her mind, she she had a to-do list that needed to be done. She had a list of things that she needed to get done and she didn't have time to sit at the feet of Jesus and listen to him. There's just simply too much that, they had, that she had to get done. And we can all relate to that because we all have our own to-do lists, right? I, if I had handed you a piece of paper and a pen as you guys um, sat down this morning and I asked you guys to write down five things that you absolutely needed to get done this week, it wouldn't take us very long to fill that out, right? Because we all have these to-do lists, but guess what? We are always going to have to-do lists. There's always going to be more and more things that we have to get done. 
And Martha was distracted, but not just by anything. She was distracted because of her serving. She was busy. The Bible, that, that passage there says she was busy with all the preparations that needed to be made. And I think that's important to note because I feel as Christians, this is the one area of our life that we justify being distracted by. And that's, and that's serving Jesus. That's serving God. That's what we do here. And that's not bad. She was serving Jesus. And we have, um, she was serving Jesus. And if we are not careful, serving Jesus can just become part of the craziness of our life. You know, Martha did nothing wrong by working hard for Jesus. That was a good thing. What she was doing in and of itself was not bad. It wasn't sinful or like that. It wasn't a bad thing. Just like when we work hard and to serve Jesus, that's a good thing. We need to do that. But we have to avoid setting the Lord's work as a priority over the Lord's presence. Because that's so easy to do. We need to do both of these things. We need to learn to serve like Martha did, but also how to sit and learn like Mary. Because I, I can tell you firsthand, this like ministry and just, and just church, like it can be, it's busy. And, and almost for a lack of better terms, there's a lot of tasks that needed to get done throughout the week. Like even on a Sunday morning, like I get here and I have a bullet list of things that, that I want to get done before you guys get here and stuff like that. And it's easy, like if you're a, a children's pastor or you're in kids ministry throughout your week, you're constantly spending time. I got to get the lesson done. I have to get this done. I have to go to the store and I have to get craft or supplies for the crafts. I have to get snacks so, to keep them entertained. And like, it, it, if we're not careful, the, the, the process and the procedures of, of getting everything ready for ushering other people into the presence of God can become all we're focused about. And then we forget to be in the presence of God ourselves. The second area of distraction that keeps us from the Lord is, is very close to the first. The first one was just simply the craziness of life, right? And the second one is the worries of life. How many of you guys have worries in life? How many of you guys have more than one worry in life? Yeah, that's, that's everybody, right? If, if you don't have any worries, please come talk to me after. I want to know what you're doing right. Um, but life is stressful, Matthew 6, verses 31 through 33 says, So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all of these things will be given to you as well. And I believe that church is so important for us. For the believer, church is such a vital aspect of our walk with God. We're not meant to go on this journey alone. You know, God didn't create us to, to serve him and love him on our own. Like, it was meant to be a corporate thing with one another. Because there's something so powerful that takes place when you're living life and doing life with a group of like-minded individuals. You know, but when bills are tight, it's really easy to to skip church and go to work for a few more hours, right? It's really easy to make that sacrifice. I need to get this done. I don't have enough time. I ran a time this week. I have to do it Sunday. 
you know, and when Christian and I were first going through marriage counseling before you got married, the, the pastor who did it would, um, he, he told us over and over again that the number one thing, the biggest thing that we would fight about in our marriage was money. And if any of you guys are married, you guys could probably agree with that. The large majority of fights that take place revolve around money. You fight about money because money, or really the lack of it even, stresses you out, right? It causes you to worry. When it's not there, you're going to worry. And this happens to us because we need it to survive, right? You know, I think we can take every worry, if we listed out every worry that we have in life, we could probably boil those down. And I bet a large majority of those worries stem from some form of, of money problem, the lack of it, or, or whatever it might be. Because we need it. We need it to eat. We need it to put clothes on our back. We need it to keep a roof over our head. Everything that we do, we need it. And all of these things, just like the, in Matthew 6 says, what are we going to eat? What are we going to drink? What are we going to wear? Those are the things that cause us to worry. Those are the things that keep us up at night, right? And I love what Pastor Jack Hayford has to say about overcoming financial fear because that's what it is. It's, it's a financial fear. And, and Pastor Jack says, financial fear is unreasonable, unnatural, unhelpful, unnecessary, and unbelieving. And the two that stick out to me the most on that list is worry is unnatural and unbelieving. Did you know we are the only creations of God that worry? You can look at the, all the animals. None of them worry. You know, they're just living their life. Even if they're prey, if they're not one of the big predators in life, even the prey, they don't worry. They're, they just live their life till it's their time, right? But the Bible says, even in, in this Matthew chapter 6, earlier on in this passage, the Bible tells us that God provides for the birds that he created and how much more valuable are we than the birds of the air? You know, I think someone needs to hear that this morning, that you are valuable to God. And just as he provides for the birds, he's going to provide for you as well. You know, it might not be the provision that we think it should be. It might not look how we think it should look, but it's going to look exactly like God meant it to be. You know, and, and I've kind of been talking about like the lack of money, but money is such a, a funny, and there's so many different worries, but I'm kind of just landing on money this morning because we can take it to both extremes, right? It's like the lack of it and what you, what you do, but then we can almost slingshot it to the other direction. And we, can, we worry about not having enough things that we do everything in our power to gain more and more things. Matthew 6, 19 says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. When food, clothing, shelter, whatever it might be, are scarce, people who, honestly, with good reason, become anxious. They, they start to stress out about where these things are going to come from and from to the point where they start to hoard their wealth. You know, and I'm not, I'm not saying you need to go out and spend every penny that you make. It's like, I got my paycheck. I paid all my bills. I have $500. I got to go spend all of this. You know, that's, that's just not smart. But wealth and all these other possessions that we have, they cause us to worry and to lose sleep over. Then all those things, they quickly become distractions in our life, right? It becomes all-consuming. That's all we want to think about. And the Bible is very clear that we cannot serve two masters, 
because one always becomes more important than the other one. You know, I can, speaking from personal experience, if you put God up against financial stability and spending time with God, being in his presence, and if you put that up against financial stability, financial stability is going to win every single time. And I'm not saying that God wants you to be poor. Don't misunderstand me when I say that. God doesn't want us to just be like dirt poor and struggle and claw through life. That's not it at all. But if becoming rich is what drives you, you may need to take a step back and reevaluate. Because God, God wants us to enjoy our personal possessions, our earthly possessions. He wants us, he doesn't want us to be miserable here, right? He wants us to enjoy, he wants us to have a good time. He wants us to enjoy everything that this life has to offer us. But he just doesn't want to be replaced by those things. And God promises that he's going to take care of us. And if he promises something, that means he's going to do it. You know, my absolute favorite thing about God is that he saved me for my sin. You know, I'm able to spend eternity because of what he did for me. That's my absolute favorite thing about him. But my second favorite thing about God is that he's a God of his word. You know, this, this book, this Bible, it's chock full of promises and declarations of what God has done, is doing, is going to do. And every promise that he says, everything he says, if he says he's going to do it, he's going to do it. And I love that. We don't have to walk around in fear and worry about what's going to happen. If he says, you know what, I provide for the birds, I'm going to provide for you too. We can take that with confidence, knowing that he's going to do it. And Because when we worry about, when we allow the worries and the stress of life rather to become a distraction from God, we're walking outside of God's natural design for us. He wants us to trust him. And when we, when, we, when we don't trust him with that thing, I gotta go work, I gotta make money. You know, that's, we're stepping outside of what God has for us. We're taking it from God's hands and putting it in our hands. And, you know, our hands just aren't big enough. And the final area of distraction that I wanna cover this morning is that, it, that sin become a, can become a very big distraction and Pastor Stephen even talked about this last week, about how sin can keep us from the presence of God, because it, it does. You guys ever notice that the closer you get to Jesus, the stronger the temptations get? <laughs> That's not a coincidence. As I said earlier, the last place Satan wants you to be is close to Jesus. So he's going to throw everything at you to get you to sin, because he knows when we sin, it's gonna, there's that spacing gets further and further. Satan's want, Satan wants to move you from a place where you are supposed to be, which is in the presence of Jesus, and move you to a place where you have no business being at all. And I think King David in the Old Testament is such a good example of this. We read in 2 Samuel 11, verses 1 through 4, and if, 2 Samuel 11 is, all, is the story of David and Bathsheba, right? And, and really just that that tiny ark in David's life. He, King David takes up such a large amount of the Old Testament with his life and everything he did, but just this one section in his life, there's so much that we can get and learn from here. But this morning, I just want to take, I just want to focus on the first four verses. And it says, in the spring, at the time when kings go off to war, David sent Joab out with the king's men and the whole Israelite army. They destroyed the Ammonites and besieged Rabbah. 
but David remained in Jerusalem. One evening, David got up from his bed and walked around on the roof of the palace. From the roof, he saw a woman bathing. Uh Uh-oh. The woman was very beautiful, and David sent someone to find out about her. The man said, she is Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, and the wife of Uriah, the Hittite. Then David sent messengers to get her. She came to him, and he slept with her. David was not where he was supposed to be. Notice that David sent Joab, his general, and his army to fight the battles, and, but he remained in Jerusalem. You, there, there were seasons for things. Just like every September, we have the season where we go to Starbucks and get our pumpkin spice lattes, right? You know, men, I know you like them just as much as the women do. I see, I used to work at Starbucks. I, I know how many men get pumpkin spice lattes. But just as we have seasons for different things in our life, March Madness, that's a season. There's a time to do things. And just like us and we have our seasons, the kings had seasons too. Because in the spring, they went to fight. I don't know why the spring, but the Bible says in verse 1, in the spring, when kings go off to battle, that's just what they did. I don't know if it's just because they were pent up all winter long and they had to get out. It's, I got to knock some heads together. Like, you, I don't know. Like, I don't know who, I don't know if the kings got together and were like, you know what, April sounds, or spring just sounds like a great time to fight each other. Like, just not too hot, not too cold. It's just ideal. You know, I don't know the reason why spring, but the Bible says in the spring, kings went to war. That's just what they did. And David's a king, right? Yet he didn't go to war. He sent his general and his armies, and he stayed behind. The point is, he never would have been home to see Bathsheba if he was out on the battlefield like he was supposed to be. David never would have had that distraction in his life if he was in his battle armor and not his bathrobe. Good, huh? (laughs) And you know what? If that can happen to King David, who was a man after God's own heart, that can happen to us too. You know, we had our season of sin. Every single person in here has had their season of sin. At one point in your life, you were in sin. You were separated from Jesus. But the moment that we accept him as our Lord and Savior, we enter into a new season. So don't let Satan take you from where you're supposed to be and place you somewhere that you have no business being anymore. You know, I don't want to just talk about all these things that, that we do wrong. You know, I, I was talking to a friend of mine who, who's, he's a youth pastor, and he talks like, man, I just feel like every time I talk, like, I'm just, like, convicting people. Like, it's never, like, good messages. I'm always like, oh, you guys, you guys are awful Christians. You need to do better. Like, like, and he's like, I just don't think that's what church should be all the time. Like, there's definitely a time for that, you know, some accountability, but I don't just want to get up here this morning and, and give you guys a list of, oh, you guys are doing this wrong. You guys need to be doing this better. So I want to give you, just as I gave you three distractions of life, I want to give you three like just super practical things that we can do that can kind of help keep those distractions at bay. And the first thing is to cut down on the distractions in your life, it's to find a quiet place. You know, quiet places are important. 
if Jesus needed time to go off and have some quiet time, like we, we do too. Mark 6.31 says, Then because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, he said to them, Come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. Life's busy, right? Life's chaotic. Life can be overwhelming. And in this verse, we pick up kind of late in verse 31, but before this, we read that Jesus had sent his disciples away to minister to people. You know, he sent his disciples to go minister to people around town or however far they went. And in verse 31, we pick up with the disciples had just come back from this time of ministry. And when they returned, Jesus knew that they needed time to rest because when we rest, we reset. And what I mean by that is life can be so so, so overwhelming. It's so easy to get caught up in the craziness, but when we take a step back, but when we find that time of rest, we're taking a step back. You know, we're just right in the middle. We're in the thick of it. Like life's crazy. I don't have time for this. I don't have time for this. But when we enter into that time of rest and find that quiet place, we are like literally like taking a step out of the craziness and just taking a breath. You don't burn out doing the right things. You burn out because of what you aren't doing. You know, that's why the Sabbath is so important to do. And I think the Sabbath is one area that we probably could do a little better on, right? I know for me, I never take Sabbath. And it's, the one, it's one area in my life now where I try to do. It's a discipline that I'm working on because it's so important to have a day of rest, to have a day where you can just unplug and find that quiet place. You know, I have friends who go as far as they shut their phone off for that entire day. 6 p.m. on Friday night, they shut their phone off. Their phone doesn't come back on until 6 p.m. on Saturday because they know how important that time is to just rest. You know, and this was hard for me to do because I don't know if you guys are like me, I, I like lists. I like, when I have things to do, I, I'm a big planner. Like I like to have a planner, like a weekly or monthly planner. And when I have things I need to do, I write it down in them. And then when I accomplish it or get done with it, I put a little X next to it to say that I finished it. Um, and I've gone as far as like just random things that pop up that weren't planned. Like just, you just d- didn't know it was gonna happen and it happens and like, after the fact, like after I had already finished it, like I've gone back into my planner and written it in just so I could put an X next to it. Like, I don't know why. I just like that sense of, I got something done today. You know, but it's, so it's hard. It's hard to, to unplug, right? It's hard to like put your lists aside and your checks and your X's aside and just not worry about it for a little bit. But when we rest, we reset But in those moments, it's also important to have some time with Jesus as well. You know, Jesus didn't tell his disciples to go off by themselves and rest. He said, come with me to a quiet place and rest. You know, we can go off by ourselves and have rest and we we will get rest. But when we allow Jesus into that time of rest and into that quiet place, he's gonna give us a, a rest that we can never give ourselves. The second thing we can do to cut down on our distractions is to prioritize our time. Ephesians 5, 15, and 16 says, Be very careful in how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. 
Are you guys making the most of the time God has given you? I mean, we can't spend all of our time worrying about things that may or may not happen to us. You know, it's a stewardship issue. You know, our, we have to be a good steward of what God is giving us. And, and just sitting there worrying and stressing about everything just isn't being a good steward of that time. You know, we have to be wise with what we do with our time. Give, give God more than 20 seconds at the end of your day to pray with him. Give him some time throughout your day to, to sit down and open your Bible. Spend some time in his word. You know, I've been trying to do something called eight and eight. And basically what that is, is I take the first eight minutes of my day and I give it to God. Whatever that might look like, whether that's just praying, reading my Bible, whatever it is. Like before... Um, before I even get out of bed, I take the first eight minutes and that's what I do. And then I take the last eight minutes of my day and I do the same thing. Give it to God, whatever that might look like for you. You know, if you're married, pray with your spouse. But, because if you're, if you're anything like me, um, screens are the first and last thing I see. When I wake up, the very first thing I do is I roll over and I scroll through Instagram I scroll through Facebook. I check emails if I have any. I'm super popular. I get like 20 emails a night. Um, and then at night, the last thing I see before I go to bed is, is the TV screen getting shut off. But instead of my screen being the first and last thing I see during my day, it's Jesus. You know, it's his word. It's his presence. It's his peace. Whatever we need, he's going to give it to us. It's his blank, whatever it is to you. You know, he is the bookends to my day, holding everything in the middle up. And in order to prioritize God in your life means that you have to be willing to give something else up. And for me, it's those first and last eight minutes. You know, and that might not work for you. Like, that's okay, but I encourage you guys, find something that works for you. Make it a priority to be with Jesus. You know, he has to be worth it. And finally, the focus, finally, it's to focus your attention on Christ. Hebrews 12, 2 says, Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. You know, we're all running a race. Uh, in the New Testament, the Apostle Paul talks a lot about this idea of how we're all in a race, and we all got to finish the race well. And all that, guys. Have you ever watched races I, like the Olympics? I love the Olympics and the racing. Like, have you guys ever noticed where their eyes are looking? And I'm not, the Greek word here for fixing your eyes, right at the beginning there, it says fixing your eyes on Jesus. The Greek word that's used there, I'm not, I'm not gonna try to say it because that's like this deep like throat gurgle thing that I just can't do. Um, but the word, it, it, it signifies undivided attention. It's not just like a flippant look here and there, but it's an undivided attention attention. It, it, it looks, it, it means to look away from all other distractions in order to fix one's gaze on one subject. And the difference between athletes who win races and the ones that lose them are where their eyes are looking. You know, the ones that lose the races are the ones that are constantly looking around, seeing what's going on around them. It's like, oh man, that guy just passed me again. I'm in third now. Oh, they're coming up on me. I'm losing it. It's like, and so like, you're running, it's like you're looking in the stands, I don't, I don't see my parents, where's, where's my family at? You know, they're the ones that are losing the races. The ones that are winning, 
the races are the ones who from the very beginning set their eyes on the finish line and they do not take their eyes off the finish line until they cross it. And for us, our finish line isn't like an actual race. Our finish line is heaven, right? And we have to fix our eyes on heaven and have that undivided attention until we get there. Because there are so many distractions in life that are wanting us to pull us away. There's so many distractions that, are, that want us to not finish that race that God has put in front of us. We can only run the race as we look to Jesus and have our eyes locked on him. On him. You know, he has to be our focus. He has to be our inspiration. He has to be our example. And this whole idea of undivided attention, it speaks of an intimacy, doesn't it? Yeah. One of my favorite things that Ruthie, my daughter, has been doing lately is she'll just randomly run up to me and grab the sides of my face like that. And just stare at, she won't say a word. She'll just (laughs) kind of squint at me and just glare at me. And then she'll kind of laugh and run off. But that's what we need to do. Because she's studying my face. She's grabbing me by my cheeks and just staring at me intently. In that moment, that's all she's worried about. That's all her attention is on. Like, what? Man, you got a lot of blackheads going on. But that's how we need to be with Jesus too. We need to grab him by his face and just stare intently at him. Because yeah, he is the author and the perfecter of our faith. But he is so much more than that as well. And I don't want you guys to miss anything about him because you are too busy looking at something that's not gonna matter someday. So just to close this morning, when we allow other things to consume our lives, we allow ourselves to be drifted further and further away from God. You know, Satan always tries his best to distract us. And when we get serious about having fellowship with God, with the Lord, he will distract, he will try to distract you even more. So I just want to encourage you guys this morning to build the discipline of finding that quiet place where you can just fix your eyes on the Lord and make it a priority in your life. Because I can promise you if you start doing those things, not only will you find yourself close to Jesus, but you will find yourself staying close to Jesus. So Lord, I just thank you for this morning. God, again, I thank you that, that you have given us the men and women in this room that we can just share life with, God. Lord, part of overcoming the worries and the stresses of life for the the men and women sitting next to us, God. So Lord, I thank you for that blessing, God. Lord, I just pray for this. Thanks for listening today. Remember, God wants to do the impossible through you and me. We encourage you to become a deeper part of what we are doing. Visit us at newsongcs.com and become a giver to the New Song Foundation and an investor in bringing this message of Jesus across the world. God bless you. Thank you.